welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of May 2017, entitled, We Have This Treasure, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honour the reading of God's Holy Word. We're going to read for our opening verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Father, I thank you again this evening, Lord, that we have the privilege to look into your word. Lord, we're not so vain to believe that, Lord, within ourselves that we have the intelligence or ability, Lord, to be able to gain anything from this ourselves, let alone to preach or teach to anyone else. But, Father, we depend upon you this evening, once again, as always. Lord, may your Spirit use thy servant to speak that which you would have spoken here this evening. Lord, you've preserved this word for us. You've placed within our hearts, Lord, that that Spirit that will lead us into all understanding. So, Lord, you know each heart here this evening. You know exactly what is needed. We pray, Lord, that you would everything that's said and everything that's done would bring glory and honor to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, if you weren't here this morning, I'm sorry, I must have preached almost an hour then, so I can't do that again this evening, as well as uh, what we need to cover because we couldn't get uh, finished this morning. We were supposed to have been or planned, I thought, I was going to be going to Second Kings this evening, but... Uh, I think God had other plans anyway, and so uh, we want to look here this evening. And of course, uh, uh, our our thought, if you would, for uh, uh, for these two times in His Word is, we have this treasure. We have this treasure. Our focus over the next uh, days, as we go through our missions conference, is the treasures of missions. We all oftentimes think of all the hard work and all the grafting and all the giving and all the things that are there. We can be looking at the treasures of heaven, of mission. But I want you to know, I just remind you very briefly that as Paul was writing to the church here at Corinth, he began by saying to them there in verse 1 in chapter 4, therefore seeing we have this ministry. God has left us a ministry to do just as he had the apostle Paul. And he's very, very clear on that ministry that we have. As we have received mercy, we faint not. And then, of course, I would just remind you again, as he told them in verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We're not here to play games with words or to in any way try to deceive you, to get you to do anything. We're here solely to hear what God has for us. And as we look down, we know that he tells us in the very next verses that if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That's the focus of all that we're doing is getting the gospel message to everybody. And he tells us here, though, about this treasure. He told us in verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We looked down at those other things in that passage. We looked and said, first of all, that we have a possession. We possess a treasure. We talked about, you know, we, we like going on treasure hunts as kids and sometimes even, even grown-ups in the suspense of, of trying to find that. We have this treasure. We possess it if we possess God. This whole thing is about the light that shined in our lives, Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within us. That same light that shined upon our hearts needs to shine out of us to those around us. We have this treasure in our earthen vessels, and it's not there for us. It's there that the excellency, the power may be of God. And we'll look at that more. And we, we talked about the possession that we have. We possess a treasure within our hearts. We talked about the purpose. The purpose of this treasure that he's talking about was that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, that God's work, that the work of Christ may take place in our lives and that he receive all the glory and honor for it. We're not here to prove to anybody what we can do for the cause of missions, what we can do for this ministry that God has given us. 
We want to show them what God can do. We have this possession. He's given it to us for a purpose that it would work through our lives for his glory alone, that his power would work in it. And then we talked about the pathway. How do we get to that? If we possess it, it's there. That's a reality. And God wants us to use it for his glory that Christ can be seen through us, that others can see that. We talked about some things that some people don't like, but it's Bible and it's a blessing if you grasp a hold of it. There is a pathway. And of course, everything, ultimately, when it comes down to it, we said it's all, it all comes back to the heart. We looked at many things concerning that this morning. This pathway that we're talking about as far as being able to give to the cause of missions, that's what we're talking about. We're not wanting you to do anything that you have to. We're not going to send you a bill. We're not going to come twist your arm. We're not going to come back there and tell you that you're some evil person because you're not giving what we think you to all to mission. We want you. We want your heart to be changed. We saw this morning it was the heart that made them willing to give. The first, the first step on that pathway, folks, is the first fruits. If God does have first place in your life, then he deserves the first fruits. He's always required the first fruits. He's never, ever anywhere in Scripture, I challenge you, you show me anywhere where that God is ever supposed to be left with the leftovers. He's supposed to get that, the first fruits. The first fruits, we call it a tithe. We looked at the principle of the tithe in Scripture. We said, no, it's not binding upon you because that you're living under the law now. Thank God that you're living under grace. But the tithe, that principle that God gave us of the first fruits of giving Him the very first place in our lives, it wasn't something that even came into existence under, under the law. God set up the principles of giving in the, in, in the Garden of Eden right the way through. We saw how that the tithe itself was in place already 400 years before that the law even came to existence. There were three tithes that were given under the law. And we find that as we got into the New Testament, Jesus commended it as a good thing. Nobody's ever said you should not do this. You should stop doing this. That's been a principle, a, a way that God has shown us for his work to be taken care of. The first step is to put God first, to give him the first fruits, not what you want and not what you get. And you know, let me, let me just pause there a second. I won't charge you extra for this. Somebody else, somebody came up to me after the service this morning because God had convicted their heart because they hadn't been giving God the first fruits. But the problem is, and I, honestly, I'm not going to call any, I've, I have seen this happen so many times. And, you know, I realize, but I've really messed up. So I've got so many debts now, you know, that, that, that I, can't, I can't afford to, to be able, you know, I can barely stretch things to be able to pay the obligations. Christians, that's why that people have all kind of different views about having debt at all as a Christian. But may I say this? There is absolutely no question whatsoever that it is as wrong as wrong can be for you to take on debt to other people, to owe other people to a point to where you can't even give God first place in your life anymore because you've got to worry about all the payments that you've got to make. You've tied yourself to man, to this world, too much. The thing is, it's not easily undone. There aren't easy answers a lot of times. I'm telling you, the first step on this pathway as we saw this morning, and you can go back and listen to that if you want to, because I unashamedly, it is the first fruits. It's what we call the tithe. It is that that is binding upon us, not because of the law and us living under the law. It was part of the law, but it was before the law. It's since the law, and it's binding upon us to prove that we trust the Lord, to show our love to Him. If He's first place, He's going to get the first fruits. What's first place in your life? What gets first? You, the things you want, the things that you owe, or God? We saw secondly, the second step on that is not only, not only do we have the, the first fruits, but we have the free will offerings. And we looked at all the heart issues there. I mean, they were already tithing, but God came to Moses and said, I want you to get the people to bring in so that we can build this tabernacle. And praise God, they kept bringing that because their heart uh, because God stirred their hearts and they were of a willing heart. They wanted to. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do. I hope your want to will change, praise God. I hope that you'll want to put God first. I hope that you'll have a great desire to see Him do that in your life. You see, 
These first two steps, though, you have to be involved in. You have to be willing to put God first. And you have to be willing out of what you have and what you bless and what you can see because remember that we looked at some other things here too, that everything, everything that we see, everything is temporal, all of it. The only things that are eternal are unseen. You can't see them. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you tonight. I want you to get on your face before God, and I hope that you will do what you need to do to be right with God out of the things that you have, that you can see, that you know, that you've been blessed with in this life. And that's between you and God. And if you're not willing to do that, I can't help you. You'll never get into this exciting way of giving that I want to present to you this evening because you are limited. You can only do so much. I don't care if you're rich or if you're poor. It reminds me. I don't, I don't even remember the name. That's not important. I remember reading the story, though, of, of a guy that was in church and that he was, he was a good Christian businessman and he dealt and he, and he had built millions in this life and, and he was giving a testimony. He was sharing with others and he was looking back. He was looking back to a time when he was in church as a young man and he barely had enough to scrape by. And he had come to church that night and there was a missionary that was presenting a work. And at the end of the service, he had a real burden for that work that this missionary was doing. He had one dollar in his pocket. One dollar. That was all he had to his name. Well, he said, I couldn't very well put it in the plate and start graveling for change to give God part of what I had. He said it was an all or nothing. All or nothing. Just like the widow and her two mites, maybe. <laughs> it was all or it was nothing. And he made the statement. He said, he said, I honestly believe that that was the first step on my road to success as a businessman that I've been able to give so much to the Lord was because that night I was willing to give God all I had that his work could take place. And he said, since then, he said, I've tried to be faithful in giving. And he sat back down and there was kind of a hush through the whole sanctuary and people were just kind of in awe and whatnot. And there was a little old lady sitting right behind him on the, on the pew behind him. And she kind of leaned forward and whispered right in his ear, said, I dare you to do it again. I dare you to do it again. <laughs> you see, sometimes we think, well, if I just had more, I'd be happy to give. I got news for you. The more you get, the harder it is, not the easier. Why is it that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Not because a rich man can't go to heaven. Jesus died for him to go to heaven. But because his riches get in the way too many times. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A willing heart. That pathway. But you can go back and you can look at those things and you can ask yourself whether you're doing the things that you can do out of what God has blessed you with, the first fruits. And then after the first fruits, the free will offerings, those things that you give willingly and freely because that you can, because God has blessed you with it. But then I took just a few chapters over. Now look, this is in the same book. He's talking about here this treasure that we have in these earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. And then I just read, and we didn't make many statements about it, but I just read to you those first few verses in chapter 8. He's still talking to the same people. He's still talking about the same things to them. And he says here, though, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Okay, church at Corinth, I want you to see what God has done in that church in Macedonia over there. How that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. These Christians, Christians that weren't having it easy, they were facing this great trial of affliction, whatever that it might have been, they were a people that were in deep poverty, which I doubt that anybody could raise your hand if you were on it this evening and say, I'm in deep poverty. But they were joyful. They were generous. They were liberal in their giving. We might look and we say, well, on the surface, you know, that, that doesn't even make sense. Well, no, 
Notice what it says in verse 3. For to their power, I bear record, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. A number of things there, folks. They were willing. We're not talking about something that you're not willing to do. They were willing to their power. He bore record. Yes, they've done everything that they could do. But once they had done all that they could do, he says, then there was that which was beyond their power. They were willing of themselves beyond their power, beyond anything that man could do, beyond anything that was within their own abilities, something that was creditable to God and to God alone. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Begging them. Begging them to let them take part. Begging them to let them have a part in being able to give to this ministry. He says, And this they did, and not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. This ministering could only take place because they were willing to truly give themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then to God's servants. They were willing to give themselves, first of all, to God, and then to others before themselves, before they were concerned about themselves. Wow. We find that these went on, and he says, in so much that we desired Titus, that is, he had begun, so would he would also finish in you the same grace also. This was a work of God's grace. The same grace was repeatable at Corinth. It's not just something that happened over there to look at, but the reason that, that they're, they're doing this is that the same grace could be seen in the church at Corinth. And it's that same grace that's repeatable to each and every one of us this evening. Now notice, he says in verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, kid, you need to sit down, bud. You're really distracting me here now, okay? All right? <laughs> and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. In other words, these people were blessed in a lot of areas. We find that they, they, they obviously, they, they, they were already blessed in faith and in utterance and the way that they could speak and knowledge and, and all these things and their love to them and whatnot. But this was a grace of God that he wanted them to abound in also. He says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You know, Jesus gave up everything for you. In his gift to us, he's still the greatest example for us to follow. You see, all we're really wanting is to be as Christ-like as we possibly can. He gave the greatest gift of all. We saw that in 1 John chapter 3 as we looked there this morning. He says, and, and he doesn't want us just to love in words, but in deed and in truth. Jesus set the greatest example. He says, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. You see, that's what I want us to grasp this evening. We saw the possession of the treasure that we have within us. We saw the purpose of that treasure that we have in being able to get the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. We saw after that, we see this pathway to get there that God gives us. We have to be willing to do what God has told us to do. We have to be willing to give ourselves first of all. We have to be faithful in the first fruits and the free will offering. We have to be faithful in the things that we can see, the things that we have, the things that we've been blessed with. But here, the fourth thing I want you to do to see 
is that if you're going to experience this, there is then the performance of it. There was the possession, the purpose, the pathway, but here what Paul is encouraging them, and you know, what I want you to grasp here, it's extremely important. Just like he didn't want them in 1 John to love in word only, we don't want you to make a promise for something, and you don't put your name on here. This is a promise you make to God by your faith of what you'll do. I don't want your name. I don't want to know what you promised to God. That's between you and God alone. Now, according to what he was saying here, you know, some, some people say, well, you know, I don't really understand, you know, why that we do some of these things the way that we, the way that we do it. Well, it's, it's the principle that's being taught. This was something that obviously with these people here that they had begun a, a, a year ago. That's why we renew our faith promise every year. There's no magic. We could do it once a month. We could do it every six months. We could do it once a year. We could do it every Sunday if we wanted to. But it's just a plan for us that if we try to plan a year ahead, what will God allow us to do for the cause of missions? Let's not worry about it. I mean, our needs here, what we're talking about with this giving, with this faith promise giving, this third one, not the first fruits, not the free will, but the faith promise, not that which was binding, not that which benevolent, but that which is beyond us, that that you can't see. We all have a limit. No matter how much or how little, there comes a point when we honestly cannot do any more than we're doing. But God doesn't have that limit. We don't grasp and understand sometimes, folks. We think that we're honestly doing all that we can as an individual, as a church, well, praise God because we need to get to that point that we are doing all that we can so that we can really see God start doing what we can't do, that which is totally beyond anything that we can accomplish ourselves. That's what he's talking to them about here. That's what he's telling them about. Some people struggle. I've had people say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't want to feel one of those out. Well, I'm not going to get mad at you if you don't. I'm just telling you this. This is, this is something that God has given us. I'm asking you to do it for your benefit, for your relationship with God, not for mine. I'm asking you to do it for the cause of Christ in getting the gospel in the regions beyond. I think the hard thing is a lot of times, I'm sorry, I don't mean it in a nasty way, but so many times we're just afraid to commit to anything. We kind of like to take it as it comes each day at a time. And if we can, great. But if we can't, then no, no problem. <laughs> we didn't promise to do it anyway. There's some things in life that you need to commit to. And if there's anything in life that you need to commit to, it's to the Lord. And if there's any work in this life that you need to be committed to, it's to His work. This is not trying to get you to do something against your will. It's trying to encourage you. This is what... Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and said, just look what God is doing over there. And this wasn't what they could do. This was a work of grace that God was doing. And he'll do that same thing through you. If you'll trust him, if you try it, he said in verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. We'll see something else here in a minute. You see, God is not asking you to do what anybody else is doing. <laughs> and he's not asking you to do what you can't do. He's asking you to let him do through you what he wants to do. He's wanting to do a work through you that you can't do yourself. It's not going to burden you. He says, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. This is not something to make life harder for you because you're giving all this money to missions. Somebody else is sitting back doing nothing. They're just enjoying theirs. I said, hey, this is not an idea of you giving so that somebody else can have it easy and you can be burdened and trying to work it out. He says, but by an equality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be an equality as it is written, 
He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. This is, this is going right back to the principle of the first church that we looked at recently in, in, in the book of Acts when we were looking on several Sunday mornings running at how we could be a great church, not just a church, not just any church, and not great in man's eyes, but how can we be a great church in God's eyes? And one of those things that we saw, folks, was their undying love for the Lord first of all, but then their undying love for one another. They genuinely, they, they, if they saw the brother in need, they wanted to help. It wasn't like, oh, no, i got to do this again. They were grateful. Look how God has blessed me. Why do you think? You know, sometimes, especially as a youngster, I couldn't figure out what the preacher meant when he talked about being more blessed to give than to receive. Well, it's more blessed to give than to receive in a whole lot of ways. But if you ever get on the receiving end... <laughs> And you're not able to be the one that's giving, but you're the one that's, you know, Brother Hastings, I don't know about you, but one of the first hardest lessons that I had to learn when I went into full-time missionary work, I'm not saying this braggingly, but, but, but God had blessed us. And we tried to give generously to the Lord. And I mean, I used to be the one at the front of the line when we had a missionary coming to our church. Well, we've got a spare bedroom. We'll take care of them. Let them come over, stay with us. We'll put them up. You know, it was a pleasure. We wanted to get close to these people. We wanted to be a blessing to them. And it was a privilege to be able to do so. But buddy, I found it hard when I had to start calling up those pastors and saying, can I come preach to you because I want to present a burden to you because we've got a work that God has called us to do but we need some people to stand with us if we're going to be able to do this. Now, folks, in a strange way, that becomes a blessing in its own. But I've said it many times. I only thought to that point in life, I only thought that I'd learned to live by faith. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant to be out there truly having to trust God for the next tank of fuel, having to trust God for the next meal, being a thousand miles from home and not even knowing how that we were going to, uh, to get to the next meeting, let alone back home if we needed to, and yet seeing God never, ever, ever. And I never, I never, I can honestly say, I never went up and asked anybody or begged anybody for a penny. I left it with God. And the people that come up, God told me to give, me, give you this. God told us to do this. God would lay it on people's heart. He would give them the willing heart, not because that we asked them. They wanted to do it because God had stirred up their heart within them. That's what I want for you. I want your heart to be stirred. I want you to, to, to be excited about what you're doing for God because you want to and you're blessed. It's much greater. It's much easier, I should say, to be the one that's in a position to be doing the giving than the one that's having to depend upon somebody else. But he's saying here, hey, look, in my family, this is the way it works. It's not for one to be burdened and another one eased. It's that we might care one for another. When one has got it, the other one does it. They're helping, and that may come around towards the other way around sometime. But this is the way that God's people gives. We find that he goes on and he gathers here. We, we, we shared that passage this morning, how that God gives back, pressed down, shaken together, running over what God gave into your bosom. God will give back with the same measure that you give with. He always gives more. Fill up some of those dump trucks. Give them away. Get away from the, from the teaspoons. Start using a shovel. Start using a dump truck. There's bigger ones out there. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a, another testimony all in itself. What is it? Uh, L.G. Tanau, I think I forget how to pronounce his name. The big earth mover things and how God moved in his life that... Uh, uh, that caused him to give, that he gives all the credit to God. This is the reality that the Paul is presenting to the church at Corinth that I believe he's presenting to us here. Maybe you're already involved, but maybe you haven't seen it before. He said, look at what God did there. God will do this same thing here again. Now, this has not got anything to do with what you can see and what you can do and what you can plan this is something that's totally beyond you. This is something that this 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 is that treasure <laughs> that God, when He talks about, when He talks about supplying our need according to His riches in glory, there God's God's never had a short day. He's never run out. The bank of heaven never gets tied on funds. Let me tell you, 
It's all God's. And God, I've told you my life first, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God doesn't send us to do anything that he doesn't have the ability there. How does God want to use you? Now, look down with me. We don't have time for all these verses, even tonight. Look down at verse 24. He says, Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul's telling look, he's, he's told others what God is doing in this church, what these folks are doing. He says, now, you do what you're supposed to be doing to prove your love. You see, this dimension of giving, when it's working in our midst, it does prove our love for the Lord and for His work, but it also is a testimony to many others that look and say, whoa, how in the world are those people doing that? I mean, I could literally, do you know that the largest church that supports our ministry as missionary, the church that supports me with the largest amount, they might be listening tonight, the ones that support me with the greatest amount month by month, they support more missionaries than they have members of their church. Okay? Now, there's about 300 members of that church. And they're not one of these. I've, I've been in church, and you know, I thank God for every, whether, whether it's whether it's a penny, whether it's a pound, you know, whatever it is, by God's grace, God's the one that supplies it all anyway. But I've been to churches that just line their halls with all these photos of all these missionaries they support. It may only be $10 or $20 or something a month, just a small amount, but a lot of, a lot of people. We've never tried to do that here. We're not interested in impressing anybody with the numbers. We want to have a legitimate part. And I wish we could support all of our missionaries for three or four times what we do. But I want to tell you, this, this church supports on the average of a half a dozen times more than most of the churches support me. They don't support peanuts. They support large. And they support more missionaries than they have members in their church. And I mean, that does not make sense. And that ain't even something you can sit down and figure out on paper very easily. But that's what we're talking about that was a testimony that Paul's wanting them to grasp here. Hey, you don't even begin to realize what God can do through you and through this church. You see, it's just right that we be committed enough to do what we can do. But it's exciting when you see God doing what you can't do. And it's only God that's doing it. Look down in chapter 9. I wish we had time to go through all of this, but look, look at these verses here. He says, first of all, he says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia and Achaia, was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say, not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as a covenant. Now, listen. It's just come down. We don't make all this up. This is declaring to the church. Yes, it's great to make the promises, but stick to those promises. Don't make it ashamed. You see, we've promised these missionaries that are on the field that we're going to send them support every month. I know the churches have gotten into financial situations where they could no longer do that. And you know, I've never gotten upset with the church because they had to quit supporting our ministry. Matter of fact, it makes me pray for them harder if they've gotten into that situation. They need my prayers because I'm sure they haven't gotten there intentionally. But Paul's saying, look, folks, just be careful. I'm not asking you to do something stupid, to get out on a limb by yourself and promise to do something that you can't do. That's why we encourage you time and again. That's why I tell you, look, don't feel this thing based on your emotions. That's why I'd ask, I wanted, I wanted all of you to have one of these to take home and be praying every day, every day. Be praying right through the missions conference. God, 
First of all, you got to get your heart right with God. And are you going to do what you ought to be doing? Because when you fill out this, what you're going to give to missions, it ought to already. Now listen, as a church, we've never been ashamed of it. Part of our budget, the tithes that you put into this church, we take a tithe of that and it goes straight into the missions. It goes outside there. It doesn't matter what we need here. It doesn't matter what, what works to be done. I've told them before. <laughs> I would love to see it. I can remember... Dr. Harold Seitler in Greenville, South Carolina, started a church there in a storefront. And years later, they were running a couple of thousand Tabernacle Baptist Church there in Greenville, South Carolina. And they were one of the largest supporting independent Baptist churches in the world at one time. The missionaries, they supported Dr. Harold Seitler when they started. They first began, he says, well, tithe is God's place to start, so that's where we're going to start. We're going to give at least a tithe of everything that comes into this church is automatically budgeted to the cause of missions. And I'm, I'm just saying this, folks. I don't know if you're a member of this church or not, but I wouldn't want to be a member of a church that didn't at least budget money for the cause of missions to get the gospel to the regions beyond. I don't want to be a part of that church if that's not important enough to be a part of the budget of that church. But the truth is, he said, we're going to start there. But he said, I want to see the day when it's the other way around. And we're surviving on 10%, and 90% of it is going to the cause of Christ around the world. That was when he was a pretty young man. I heard him preaching in a camp meeting when he'd gotten older and he was approaching the end of his life. He's going to be with the Lord now. And he was talking in the camp meeting, and he said, you know, he said, I made that promise to God, and I told God I'd like to live to see the day when we could give 90% to missions and we could survive as a church. And this was a big church. They had a big budget, folks, with, with a couple of thousand people in the congregation. And they had a children's orphanage home and they had a Bible college and they had a radio ministry and all these things going on. And he said in that camp meeting, he said, I'm hoping God don't take me too serious. Because at that point, they'd reached something like 92% of the total budget of that church went for the cause of worldwide missions outside others. You say, preacher, I'm, folks, Paul said, look at that church. This is what God is doing. I could show you churches all around this world. God is doing things that is unbelievable, that's indescribable, that doesn't make sense on paper, but God does them. We understand. This is that realm. This is that third realm of giving because this is not. Why is it so phenomenal? Why does it sound so untrue? Because in the flesh it is untrue. In man's programs it is untrue. But this is that which God does which is beyond. And you know what? There are a lot of churches. There's a phenomenal amount of people that are coming that have never even heard this before. It's right here. I'm reading you straight from the Word of God. You said, well, I've never heard anybody preach or talk about that before. But we have this mission conference for the same reason that Paul's saying right here in these verses, that we might be encouraged to do what we've already promised to these other missionaries that we've promised to support and take care of them. We want to encourage you so that we can keep doing that, but we want to be able to do more. We want to be able, not so somebody can pat us on the back, but so more people can hear the gospel and have the opportunity to respond to it. He said in verse 6, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That's just a natural law. You sow a few seeds, you're going to get back more than you sow. But man, you sow a bunch of seeds... You're going to get back a bunch more than what you sow. How much are you willing to sow? How much are you willing to put into the kingdom of God? He goes on here and he tells us in, in verse 7, Every man according as he, what's that next word? Purposeth in his heart. As he purposeth in his heart. You see, you have a possession. You possess a treasure. God's given you that treasure. God has a purpose for that treasure. And this is a treasure that's beyond any treasure this world has. And the purpose is that others can, can come to know that path. There is a pathway to open up that treasure, to get to it, because it's beyond your realms. It's beyond you. It's beyond what you can see. You see, there has to become the performance of it. It comes 
to you have to be willing, first of all, to give God yourself. Give yourself willingly. And then every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. I'm telling you again, I don't want you to do it if you don't want to do it. But I sure hope you get your heart right and want to. <laughs> because you got a heart problem if it's a fact that you don't want to give. What ought to be frustrating is that you want to give, but you can't give more. Good. When you get there and you want to do it and you can't do any more, then you got to turn to God to do it even more. Trust God. God, what will you do that I can't do? You find that every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. <laughs> I've told you before what that word means. Who remembers what that word means? A cheerful giver. What's that word mean? Hilarious. Remember? I shared that with you. I mean seriously. We want you to be a hilarious giver. That it just thrills you to be able to give to the work of missions that others can hear the gospel. Now, I totally lost my place there with that. God loves a hilarious giver. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Do you trust God? Do you believe God? When you're obeying and trusting God, we don't have to worry about our needs being met. God's a liar if you do. If you're obeying God, if you're trusting Him and giving accordingly, God has promised that He'll take care of you. He goes on in these next verses, and notice he says, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God." Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your possessed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's a testimony of your faithfulness. It's a testimony because, folks, others are watching you. We read there in 1 John this morning, don't just say that you love me. Show it. Show it. Show it with your deeds. Show it with the truth. How can you dare say that this treasure is in you? How can you dare say that Jesus Christ lives in you when you see your brother in need you don't have any desire to do anything about it whatsoever. There's something besides the love of Christ in you folks. You may have a dose of religion, but you ain't got Jesus Christ. I'm just saying we're not talking about trying to do things in the flesh. We're trying to see. It's a testimony of our faithfulness. It's a testimony to God's faithfulness, the sufficiency of his supply for us. It's an encouragement to us. It's an encouragement to those around us and seeing God do what we can't do. I mean, folks, I've seen it so many times and it never ceases to be so exciting. It blesses those to whom it goes to meet their needs. I promise you. I promise you. You see, what you put on this, we don't keep any of it. We don't keep any of it for anything that we do here for ourselves. The only part of that missions giving that isn't going direct to the mission fields is going directly to missionaries that we have come in just like the Hastings here that we can be a blessing to them when they come to share and encourage us in missions when these missionaries come by. None of it, not one penny is used for us as a church for our needs. It goes for the work of missions alone. We're not asking you to do this. If you're doing if you're doing what you should do in the first one, in your tithes and in your free will offerings, the needs of the church are being met as well as there's going to be money going to missions. But we want to do beyond that. We want to go beyond that, that which is set aside for the work of missions alone. 
You know, it causes others to glorify God because of the way that it confesses to the reality of the gospel in your life. There's something real about this Christian faith. There's something real. I mean, you know, these, these people aren't just talking a good talk. They're walking a good walk. Look at the things that God is doing. Remember what we saw even under the tide this morning, how that all those nations around, they were going to look upon God's people and say, wow, look how your God is blessing you. When they put God first, when they were near to him. Look down in chapter 10. We've got to skip over some verses. Notice down in verse 12. He says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and commending themselves among themselves are not wise. (laughs) We're not here to play games about whether we can give more than this other church. We're not here to ask ourselves, well, aren't we already? Brother Peter, if you weren't here for our AGM just a few weeks back, he shared, you know, that in, in his coming here and seeing what God does through this church, through our minimal numbers in comparison to so many of those churches out there, but what God does for the work of missions, it amazes him. But the thing is, folks, we're not here to compare with what we've done or what anybody else has done. We're not here to look and say, well, we're already doing more than a whole lot of those churches out there. He says here that those that begin to compare themselves among themselves and all those things, they're they're not wise. He says, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. That was the most important thing. That's what it all came back to. They had no boasting in what they were doing, no boasting among themselves, no boasting of what they were doing. Their desire was to boast in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Their desire was to preach the gospel to this people and to other people. He goes on and he says, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other man's labors, but having hope. When your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Paul said, our hope is simply this, that your faith will be increased. Because when your faith is increased, we're going to be enlarged to be able to do more for the cause of getting the gospel to more people. His sole desire was to preach the cross, to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not asking this for any personal gain of himself. He's asking so that others can come to know. Notice what he says in verse 6, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to your hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord This is a grace of God. This is God's work. This is what God wants to do. In the first instance, we've got to give ourselves. We accept His gift of grace. We give ourselves. You see, we find that we do possess this treasure that's within us. And there's a purpose for that treasure. And there's a purpose... And there's a purpose that it needs to be used. But the pathway to get there is by putting God first, taking that first step of showing him that he has first place by giving him the first fruits of all that he blesses you with. The free will offerings because of a willing heart, wanting to be involved, wanting to do what you need to do for the work here and the work abroad. You want to have a part And it's such a joy to be able to do that. But of course, then being able, being able to go beyond that, being able to get involved in faith promise, being able to do that which is beyond man because it's God working in our midst. 
He says, it's the performance of it. You see, that's what it comes down to this evening, is performing it. That's why the mission conference was there, that this might actually be done, that it's not just something that we read about and say, boy, that's an exciting, good thing that happened in that church, isn't it? But it was for the performance of it in that church. And when their faith was increased, then the ministry would be enlarged in the regions beyond to preach the gospel to those that are there. You see, that's what we're looking for. That's what this missions conference is all about. That's what we're encouraging you because, you see, the last point of my message is we began with the promise that God made to you. And God promised you, God promised you that if you're his child, that Jesus Christ lives and dwells within you. And it was really a promise that you have this treasure within, that treasure, that light, that the light that came in and lit your life that will now light the lives of others. But are you willing to promise God? Are you willing to promise God? Are you willing to get on your face before God, first of all, and give him yourself? To ask God to do. Now, I've got a lot more notes here, but I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to close there tonight because I believe with all my heart that I've given to you today what God asked me to give to you. You know, I can, I can remember, and I have to, I guess a, a little bit of uh, honesty is, uh, is good for the soul. I have to admit that there was a time when I was reluctant to get in the pulpit and preach on giving. Honey, somebody's going to get upset. Somebody's going to get their feathers ruffled. But you know what? I get excited about preaching about giving because God is the greatest example of giving that there ever was. And God has given us a gift. And we have that treasure within us. And folks, God will do that which is impossible. We just need to put him first. We need to be honest. We need to take the first step. We need to take the second step. I want you to just ask yourself, are you doing all that you can and all that you want to for God, for his work, for the cause of getting the gospel to those that haven't heard? Are you doing your part? If you're not... That's where you need to start. But if you are, are you willing to take a step of faith? Are you willing to pray and say, God, what is it? And you see, again, I have to be careful because I don't want to say it in a bragging way. I can remember the very first time that I made a faith promise to God for missions. And I remember making that, and I thought about, you know, how much that was, and I thought about how much that was a week and all that, and it was a little bit scary because I thought, well, you know, I want to do this, but I felt totally, totally impressed. My wife and I would pray about what God would have us to give, and it, and it was amazing. And I said, well, this is what we're doing now. And you know, it's amazing how that God would seemingly time and time again lay the same thing on our hearts that we both felt comfortable. I don't say this to brag. I'm saying, folks, as a testimony to what this does, you know, God always, always, always honors. I wish I could say this in some way, but even now, if you look at what we earn or get blessed or get given to as missionaries versus what my wife and I are blessed and privileged to give to the cause of missions through both of our churches, both here and in the United States, if you look at it, it doesn't make sense. But I don't, you know, I don't have any regret. The thing that bothers me more right now is, is Lord, you need to really help me here because my faith needs to get up another notch. I want to be able to do more for missions this year, not less. And there's more people dying and going to hell. And so, I, you know, I would ask you to pray for me even, that my faith can be enlarged, that we can do more, not because it makes sense on paper, I guarantee you that if you went to some debt consultant, they wouldn't think that you had very much sanity about you. You said you were giving all this money by faith to the cause of God's work. They might want to send the guys in the white jackets out to get you, take you for a free ride. But this is God's plan. And so I want you to go into this week, and I want you to have an open heart. You see, I've said time and time again, we mentioned it this morning, God needs personnel. 
God needs personnel. God needs people that are willing. See, it all starts if we give ourselves to God. That's one thing. God, I'm willing. Here am I. If you want me, if you want to send me somewhere, here am I, Lord. You might say, well, I'm not qualified. I don't have the education. I don't have the funds. I don't have the ability. Well, just about everybody I find in the Word of God, they weren't qualified. They didn't have the ability when God called them. But I'll guarantee you, if you've got the heart to serve him, God will help you because what he's looking for is people that are available. He'll take care of the ability. He'll give you those that you need to make you able to do it. But are you available? Are you available to do what God wants? Prayer. Pray earnestly. He tells us to pray that God would send forth laborers for the harvest. Folks, the fields are white and the harvest. The laborers are few. It is a sad shame in our day that when we look at the world today and there are still peoples all around this world that have not heard the gospel one time. There are people around this world that have not one time even had the word of God put into their own language that they can read it. The need is great. I heard a song sung last week that touches my heart. Matter of fact, Years ago as a young preacher, I had a radio broadcast three days a week at lunchtime, and it was a song that we began with and the song that we finished with, and it simply says, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. Everybody. If you haven't heard that song, praise God, Google it and listen to it. Beautiful song. But people need the Lord. This week, I don't want you to do anything grudgingly. Well, let's give the Lord. Are we willing? God needs personnel. God needs us to pray. Pray about going. Pray for those that have gone. Pray about what God would have you to give to the cause of missions. And don't just make some vain, empty promise. But promise that which you'll fulfill and carry through with. God needs us to be willing. God needs possessions. God needs us to be willing to give. This world operates on funds. And so we have to have funds. They had to raise funds. They had to raise those things to be able to do God's work all through scriptures. And it's God's people that ought to be taking care of that and doing that. And I said this morning, we need power. You see, when we looked at that treasure that was hidden, what was it that that, that, that verse said to us? That that treasure that is hidden within us, that it's a treasure that that each and every one of us, when we look at it and we realize and understand that it's there, he says, we have this treasure that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Unashamedly, folks, the power of God, the power of God is the only power that can save anybody. Nobody can be saved outside of his power, his work in their lives. The power of God is what needs to be on his people that are serving him all over the world. He doesn't need people that are smarter and more intelligent and more anything. He needs people that have more of the power of God. As a church, we need more of the power of God on us. We don't need more polished programs and all these things. We need more of the power of God in our giving. We need the power of God to give beyond ourselves. The need is great. I hope you'll do everything that you can gladly and willingly in your heart but I hope then that you can get on your face before God and pray and say, God, what would you do through me? What would you have me to give a week for the cause of missions? What would you have me give that I'm not able to do? And you see, exercising faith helps faith to grow stronger. Your faith will go stronger and stronger when you see God doing it. He told us to prove him with his ties. Well, I'm encouraging you here. Prove him with your faith. That's the only pathway to God and his grace. This is another grace, this grace of giving. Father, I thank you this evening. And, Lord, I have to be careful because I know I know that this is such a wonderful, exciting truth that when, when we grasp it, Lord, that it can change our lives. Lord, people need the Lord. The needs around us are so great. They're so tremendous. And yet, Lord, as we gather here this evening, Lord, I'm sure there's some here that maybe do feel that they're, they are honestly doing all that they can do, but I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts. Help us to be faithful in our first fruits. Help us 
to put you first. Help us, Lord, to have the willing hearts to give freely of that which you've blessed us with for your work to go on. But help us, Lord, when we get to the point that we have nothing more to give, that we can, by faith, look to you to do that which is beyond us, that only you can receive the glory for it. Lord, we do all this. We ask all these things so that the gospel can be preached to the closest door outside this church, to the farthest regions beyond. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen.